0: and do things outside, and and so that takes a lot of energy, but this morning, I'm feeling energized, and I trust that you are also, even if you were busy. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you. Lord, thank you for um, life. Lord, thank you for um, your son and that he lives in our hearts. And Lord, even as we look this morning at your word and, and study it, I pray that uh, we would be convicted and challenged and encouraged as we look at your word. Lord, I pray for Lloyd as he preaches up in Elkhart. I pray uh, blessing on their service, and may you meet them there as they uh, gather together. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen. You know, some time ago, I have I have a laptop that I use, a laptop computer that I use for uh, work at home. It's not my primary computer but I often take it to our mission board meetings and one of the things we do at our mission board meeting is we try to um, connect with our administrator and police and so we often have Zoom calls with him so that we can interact face to face and talk to him. And so my laptop is equipped with a, it's got a camera or a built-in video camera whatever and some time ago as I connected uh, on a Zoom call the picture came up of me so that the other person can see me and it froze. And now the rest of the the laptop seemed to work fine. I could I could see him moving and hear him talking, but my picture was just in this, however it caught me. And um, so I've I've messed I'm not real techie, so I've messed around with it trying to figure out. I assume my my software. My camera needs to be updated or something, and I don't know how to do that. And so I've, I've tried messing with it, and every now and then I try again. As we do a Zoom call, I'll log in on my, personal, on my laptop, and again, it freezes me, you know, however I am. And so I haven't gotten that fixed, but I keep trying it, thinking, surely by turning it off and restarting, it will fix itself. But it has yet to fix itself. I have a truck that here some time ago, I bought this truck and it ran fine, but as winter came on and it started getting cooler, it would run rough right when you start it. And so I would start it up and for those of you who um, have a few years on the rest of us before fuel injected vehicles, you, you know what a choke is on a vehicle. And that's exactly how it runs for the first 10 seconds. It runs like the choke is on and it just kind of, it coughs and sputters a bit. And then it levels out and it's fine, but it just bugs me. And so I have, I've hooked up my little computer scanner to the truck and I've clicked the codes and I keep thinking, surely this thing is going to fix itself. And then it, about then winter's over and summertime is here and the truck runs fine in the summer. And so I've, that's probably gone on for two years. And finally last fall I took it into the shop and I said, something is wrong this thing needs to be fixed. It's not fixing itself. And so they went in and adjusted something on the computer. And it seems to run better now. But it didn't it didn't fix itself on its own. It didn't um, it didn't just heal itself. In the last week or two, in case you think all of my stuff breaks, it's not really how it is, but in the last week or two, my guys called me one day and they said, "Hey, there's oil running out of the back of this mower." And so we communicated a little bit, and finally, I figured out I thought I knew what the problem was, and so I went down to the shop where I bought the mower and I bought a new seal for it and, and uh, that night, I, I changed the um, valve cover gasket for you who care. And, and I thought, "Good, it's fixed." And so I sent the mower out the next day to, to mow again, and the guys at the end of the day, they parked it over in the shop where I work on my mowers. And they said, "Hey, that thing's leaking again," and I was frustrated with that. And so Monday morning, I finally got time to look at it, and and I I opened it up and discovered there was a it was a bigger problem. Not only was uh, it wasn't a seal issue, it was actually a cracked head. And so, you know, I could have. <laughs> My, my intent that Monday morning was to take the seal off, make sure it was installed correctly. I was going to reinstall it, and I was hoping that would fix it. But when I saw that problem, I, I discovered that, you know what, It's, it's the seal, changing the seal is not going to fix it. And so I ended up taking it down to the shop and, and having them change the head on it. So, there again, I, I could have assumed, I could have hoped, I could have put a new seal on, but when it... When it actually got down to fixing it, something had to be done. I, it wasn't going to heal itself. But aren't we like that sometimes? We, we hope that whatever it is that is, is ailing, whether it's a vehicle or, or something in our home, we hear a funny sound in the furnace. For some time, I, I usually assume, well, it's just happening now. It's, it's going to go away and it will be all right. Sometimes we live life like that. But you know, things and people most times don't fix themselves. Most times they don't just miraculously start working again. Everything that is used or is living at some point needs some maintenance. Whether it's your house or your vehicle or whatever it is, when you use something, at some point You have to maintenance it so that it works the way it should. And our lives are no different. We're living beings. And at times, we need some maintenance. It takes effort to keep on a good trajectory in our lives. Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, or if you care to, you can read off the screen up here. Romans chapter 12, this today brings me to the last message of Romans chapter 12. And if you would, please stand with me as we read this passage together. Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin reading in verse 17 through 21. Read with me. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You may be seated. Romans chapter twelve, if if you remember, uh, has been talking about change of heart, a change of mind. It has addressed how we relate to people around us in the brotherhood, in our in our business dealings. Uh, it talks about how to relate to persecutors, those who are oppressing us. It talks about uh, it, it gives us uh, examples and it tells us how we should, um, how we can change the heart of that persecutor in, in, the, in the way that we um, respond to that persecution. And then, way at the end of this chapter, there's this short verse. And it, it, to me, it seems a little bit like after all of those different things that we've been told, he kind of wraps it up at the end of that chapter and he says, you know, just, just about, you know how it is, you, you kind of need to cap everything off. And it says, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. It's, it's kind of like taking that whole chapter and boiling it down, and, it, and right at the end, like, that's if you don't get anything else, focus on this. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Look at that phrase a little bit. Be not overcome with evil. The idea that the picture that I get in my mind of being overcome with evil is I'm headed on a pathway. I have have a goal in mind and I'm going this direction. And when you're overcome with something often it it comes up from the back. And so it's it's overtaking you. And, And often If if you're running, the other day at the races at school, a runner who's really focused doesn't worry about the people behind him, but he's looking at the goal and the people he's trying to pass in front of him. But I thought it was interesting, some of the, especially the younger students, as they were running, they were wondering, you know, what's coming up behind me? And they turn around and look back. Well, right away you start losing some ground because you, you see that person coming. But it's a little bit that idea where I'm focused, I'm going, and all of a sudden this thing comes up from behind me and it overtakes me. It, it passes me. It, it, it gets a hold of me. And that's a little bit how evil does sometimes. Where I'm living my life, I'm, I'm going, but if I'm not aware before I know it, this thing just slips on me and, and here I am and I'm, I'm caught up in this. And how do, we, how do we deal with that? What do we do? with that. I think it's important that we, we don't let ourselves be surprised by this evil. We need to be aware of it. But the other thing is, if we constantly focus on avoiding this evil, pretty soon that's what we start thinking. And so there's a balance between knowing what is around us and what is pursuing us, what is trying to overtake us, versus we're constantly looking behind us and we're just about, we're kind of running backwards in life at, for, an, for a picture, I guess. We run backwards in life because we're constantly trying to figure out what we need to avoid, what that evil is, and we're, we're trying to stay away from it. Instead, he gives us the answer how to overcome that evil, and it says, but overcome evil with good. Over, so not focusing on, on the evil that's coming or that, is, that may overtake us. But combating that evil by trying to be overcome with good. Allowing good to fill us. When we're focusing on doing good, it keeps us from being surprised. And overtaken with evil because it's not our focus. We're not focusing on the evil. We're focusing on the good. You see, when I'm focused and full of good, it's difficult for evil to overcome me. Because I have a goal. I am I am pursuing something good. And I am focused on the the good instead of focusing on the evil. When, am I focused, when I'm focused on and full of good, there's something else that happens. You see, I don't need to study and focus on the evil so that I know it's evil. But when I'm focused on what's good, when the evil comes up and begins to pass me and overtake me, I clearly see that. There's no question in my mind that I'm being derailed here. Something is coming on me. Why am I depressed all of a sudden? Why, why, am, I, why am I feeling this discouragement? It's, it's evident that something has changed. My joy has left. What? Why is that? And I'm keenly aware that evil is overtaking me because I've been focused on what's good and what's right. And there's a, a stark contrast between those two things. And right away, I pick up on it. You know, God wants to fill us with good. He really does. And I think all of us, if we're honest, would say, that's what we want. We want to be filled with with good things. We want our lives to go in good directions. But you see, growth is not just a download. It's not just a plug into God's USB and and update me, Lord. That's not how it works. You see, even in nature and in some of those examples that I shared with you to begin with, nothing naturally gets better. You let any landscape, in my occupation, I'm very aware of this, you let any landscape go for several months, you let your yard go for... Two weeks right now, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. You look at your homes. They never get better. The squeaky doors get louder the longer you let it go. The loose screws get looser until they finally they fall out and the door latch doesn't work right. Nothing gets better naturally. And our, we don't get on our own don't spiritually grow and get better without effort. how do we not become overcome with evil and how do we overcome evil with good? I'm going to give you three simple steps here of of ways to overcome evil. The first one is change of heart. Is my heart changed? How do I determine that? Is my heart changed? Is there something, has something changed in my heart? We do, I do want to um, draw your attention to how evil overtakes us. I think if we clear that, how that works, it will be helpful. I'm going to read in James chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. It says, Blessed is the man. That endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted. Neither tempteth he any man, cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, Bringeth forth death. so how does how does evil overtake us? How does this work? Uh, he gives several steps here and the first one is uh, when we as people when 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 my heart it says when we're drawn away when I'm drawn away of my own lust and so there's a desire in my heart for this, whatever it may be for you there's there's a desire I have that I know is wrong, but yet there's a desire in heart, my heart for that thing. Maybe I know that I shouldn't do it, or I shouldn't be involved with it, or it, I realize the, the negative effects it's going to have, but yet my heart still wants that. That's the first step It's when my heart is there. The second step, it says we're enticed. So what happens is I have this desire, and now I'm... Enticed, and so there's a temptation that comes. Satan places something in my road or in my in for me to see or to experience, or or suddenly there's it's available, so it's in my heart. Suddenly, there's a temptation. And then, third thing is it, it it brings to fruition sin. I, I want it, it's available, I do it. Step three. I do it. It brings forth sin. And then, after that, there's a result for having followed that out. I wanted it. I was tempted. I said yes to it. And now it brings forth death. And we may say, well, we don't literally die. But death has more than one effect on us. Maybe not a literal death, but there's a death. When I sin, when there's sin in my life, there's a death to the joy That I've experienced. There's a death to connection to those around me. That gets severed. Because you can't have sin and connect well with people. There's a death in the relationships that I experience because of the sin in my life. There's a death to purpose. Suddenly, my goal, what I'm running for becomes clouded. There's a lack of purpose. There's a, a lack of, of self-discipline to reach that end goal because I'm, I'm distracted by what's going on. It's kind of like that race that I was referring to at school. If that child is running along, not only are they they're looking back at what's coming behind them, but then stop to talk to their friend that's beside the track. You see, they lose focus of, of the end goal they forget the race they're running. And that's a little bit how we can be in life sometimes. When I, when I allow sin in my life, and I'm living in sin, it's hard to focus on that end goal. My my purpose is is suddenly gone in life. What what am I here for? What why am I doing this? This is this is hard. It's not even fun. Life is a drag. Because I gave in to that sin, and so that's. That's how sin overtakes us. So it gives us a little uh, look into our heart. When our heart isn't where it should be, we open ourselves to those temptations. Now there are two types of temptations that I want to draw your attention to. There's there's two ways that we are tempted. And the first one is a um, solicitation temptation, I'm going to call it. And so this is, I bring it about in my own way. And so maybe I know that X. Whatever it is for you is wrong, okay? So if I struggle, let's, let's say I have, I struggle with uh, looking at things I shouldn't on the internet. Pretty simple example. I, I, know, I know the specific pages on the internet that are not right for me. So I don't go there, but I go on the website where the pages are. So now I'm I'm here, I'm kind of, I'm not going to click there, but sometimes things do pop up automatically, and even though I'm not going to click on that, we, we kind of hope a little bit that maybe that will, you know, I couldn't help it, it just popped up. It's It's the whole idea, and this is a simple illustration, but we've used it for so many times, but it's just applicable. It's when I'm struggling with alcohol, it's probably not the best idea to go into um, Applebee's and sit in the bar area if, if that's what I struggle with. But can I eat in the bar area and not drink alcohol? Well, yeah, I, I can, but when I know I struggle with that, I probably shouldn't put myself in that position. And so that's one kind of temptation is when I I place myself, I make myself vulnerable to the temptation. The second one is a circumstantial or a situational temptation. Now I'm, I'm driving down the road, I'm minding my own business, and suddenly I go past the billboard. Now, Did I know that billboard was there? No. But there's something there I shouldn't look at. See, that's outside of my, my, it, it was not, I didn't have anything to do with that. Then I need to make a choice to look away. But I think we need to be aware that where our heart is, depending on where our heart is, we will find ourselves in more of the top type of temptations, where I am placing myself, because of my heart's desire, because my heart hasn't changed, I place myself in situations that avail themselves to certain temptations. Instead of, we're all going to be tempted at times with certain things, whatever it is. We can't help that. Circumstantial, situational temptations. But we can help it when we place ourselves in those spots. Where is your heart leading you? Do I desire to do the sin, but I refrain because I know better? So in my heart, I know I don't want to do that. I make the choice not to do it, but my heart is still not changed. There's still something in my heart that desires that. Do I find myself in situations, by surprise, where I am tempted? Where do you find yourself? Are you placing yourself in situations that you're tempted We need a change of heart if we're not going to be overcome with evil. The second thing is we need a change of mind. Philippians chapter 4 speaks into this. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving of your requests, let your requests be made known unto God. You know, I think one of the first steps that we should do and that's just verse 6. One of the first steps in changing our mind is this very thing, let your request be made known to God. Is, is bring it to God and saying, God, change my mind. Purify my mind. Change it. In Luke, it, it talks about, remember the... Um, uses the uh, picture of a father and his, his son coming to him and asking for food. And then he says, well, would the father give him a stone? Or, or if he asked for um, a fish, would he give him a serpent? And he says, when you come to me, Jesus is telling them, when you come to me and you're asking for the right things, I want to give those to you. Friends, God desires us to have a changed heart. He desires for us to have a changed mind. We can come in faith without wavering. We can ask, we can beg of Him. We can can make it a daily thing. God does not get tired of us begging Him to change our heart and mind. It is what He desires for us. It is is what He wants for us. It It is essential for us to grow is to have a changed heart and mind. So I think we should ask, we should make our requests known. Second thing it says, And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. And so if we desire to have that changed heart and mind, I I need to experience God's peace in my my life. to, To experience that change of heart and mind. The last thing is in verse, the last verse in 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. What am I thinking on? What is it that I dwell on? You see, the things that I feed on, the things that I allow into my mind, are what, those are the things that are gonna grow. And we may say, well, we don't, we don't, um, we're not into pornography, we're not into this or that, and we can kind of excuse ourselves, but sometimes things in themselves are maybe not wrong, but it's when we take in negative thoughts and negative things. It does affect us. And so I, I challenge you this morning. What are the things that you take into your mind? What are the things that you read? What are the things that you look at? What are the things, uh, the music, what is the, what is the music that you listen to? Uh, what are the podcasts that you listen to? What about um, the movies that you watch? There again, the difference of those two temptations it's when I look at a movie and I see it has a certain rating and I see underneath it why it's rated at that and I say, well, I can watch that and I'll just fast forward when I get to that scene. I'm placing myself, I've chosen to place myself in a situation, in a temptation. And that's a scary place to be, friends, is when I choose to do that. It says something about my heart. And what's in it? The things that I l- let into my mind. I challenge you take inventori- inventory of your browsing history. Go through your browser and just, just look at the things that, what is it that, that I tend to look at most when I'm searching the internet? What are the ebooks that I've downloaded and that I listen to when I have my earbuds in and nobody else? Can hear or see what I'm reading? What about going through my podcasts and looking at my favorites? What, what is it I'm filling my mind with? Or what about the friends that I follow on social media? What are they all about? What, is their, what are the main things that they are sharing with everybody around them that's a it's a huge thing there and i this isn't a message on social media but if i can just caution us when people that we follow are maybe advocating for something that is maybe good but the way they advocate for that is by showing constant evil and dragging through the dirt and the grime in life that all of us face at times, depending on what our situations are, if that's their main focus, you are going to be affected by that. Because you're going to be enticed to look at that. Oh no, they have it so hard. Oh no, that's been done to them that's discouraging. When I take that, if that's my daily diet, if that's what I'm feeding on, it affects our minds, it affects our hearts, it allows evil to start catching up with us. Because I'm caught up in those thoughts. I'm, those thoughts begin to overtake me where pretty soon now I look around and I say, well, you know what, I've got it pretty bad too. I can can identify with them because I have the same situations in my life. I think we need to be compassionate with people who are struggling. But this, this social media thing allows us pictures into people's lives who we're not responsible for, who God has somebody in their life, in their situation, to speak into that. And here I am trying to serve them when I'm missing people who are sitting right here in my own church who are hurting. I just caution us what is it? What am I allowing into my mind when I do that? Change of heart, change of mind. The third thing is a change of life. 1 Corinthians 5. Verses fourteen and fifteen says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This verse can be a little bit confusing, and as I, I read through it, and in a nutshell it's saying, If if Christ, if there's a reason that he had to die for all of us. If, if, it was, if it was of necessity for him to die for all man's sins, then evidently all man had sins. And that's me. I needed, I needed Christ to die on the cross to forgive me. And so, if he's done that for me, evidently I needed it. Have I claimed that? And then going on in verse... Um, 15 it says for the love of christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again i needed it i was the one that was dead in sin i was the one that needed christ to come and If Christ came, if He offered that change for me and I follow Him, there's there's a change when I accept what Christ did for me and I accept the change that He's offered to me. What needs to happen is I now need to begin to follow Him instead of my own desires. There's a a change of allegiance there that I begin to focus on Christ. There's There's a change in my My not only in my heart and in my mind, but there's there's an overall change in my life because I'm following something different. It's it's not it's not Kendall following Kendall or or in what I want, but it's following God. You see, there is no good in us as humans. We are naturally born sinful. But it's as God comes in, as we allow him control of our hearts, that we begin begin to have his goodness manifest itself in our hearts and the way that we live our lives. It's it's only because God is good that there's any goodness in us. And then the last part of that passage says that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto the him which died for them. You see, if I'm in Christ, there will be a change in who I am. And maybe I say, well, I'm not living in sin. I wasn't living in deep, dark, sin. But there's still a change. When when Christ comes into my life, there's a, a, um, not only is there a, there should be a change of sin, ways. We, we were in a sinful state, and now we, ch- we change. Not only should there be that change, if you don't find yourself in that situation, there should be a change in our desires and our purposes in life as a changed person in Christ. So what I want and what I'm focused on is change because of who Christ is, because of what Christ has done for me. It, it gives me a different purpose. It gives me a different focus in life because of what he's done for me. You see, I overcome evil when God is living through me in everything I do. I overcome that evil when there's, when there's so much, He's doing so much good in me that there's not room for evil. Because I'm so, I'm so busy being filled with Him that my heart is filled with goodness and the evil isn't able to come in. I'm a new creature in Him. Verse 16 and 17. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. There's a new creature. It's different. It doesn't just... Look different on the outside. There's not just change on the outside, but there's something inside that's different. It's evident in how we live. It's evident in what I do. My focus and how I serve is different. My focus is now on serving the church, serving God, serving others instead of How can I find pleasure in life? What can I do to fulfill my own desires? There's a change of focus. You see, I begin using my, no, I begin using God's business that he's entrusted to me. I begin using my wealth. I begin using God's wealth that he's given to me, that he's entrusted to me. I begin using my family that God's blessed me with, the spouse He's blessed me with, all those things begin to shift and now there's a purpose for those things. There's a purpose for my business and the blessings that He's entrusted to us because it's not for me. But it's for me to, to serve and to give back to Him and to serve those around me. It, it allows me to contribute to society in a godly way because of those things that he's entrusted to me. It allows me to influence and affect those who I come in contact with because I see there's something different in that person. It's a change of life, a total change of life and focus. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't let evil overtake you. Don't let it creep up on you and overtake you. But be intentional at becoming a new creature in Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you. Lord, thank you for the change that you desire in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would change my heart, that you would change my mind and and my my life, and that I would um, have a correct vision of you and what you want in my life and heart. Lord, help us as a church here to be um, open to change and to allow your spirit to work in us and to change us and to make us different people, to make us new people in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.